I cannot believe that that movie won Best Picture. Absolute <laughs> snub for the popular favorite. I, how can anyone take the Academy seriously? At this point, like... <laughs> Yeah. we None of us should. None of us none, should. None of us should. When <laughs> Meryl Streep gave Sterling K. Brown the chair live on stage, that shit was wild. I can't believe that it opened with Anthony Hopkins sliding down the stripper pole into hell, landing on Lil Nas X's <laughs> lap. That was crazy. I'll be honest, I totally like blanked on people who are going to be at the Oscars this year, so I just did the first two famous people I could <laughs> think of, and they were Meryl Streep and Sterling K. Brown. Hello and welcome uh, to episode 14, uh, part one of Oscar season for the Tough Cut podcast. I'm Matthew. I'm uh, the boy, Alex. <laughs> We're doing titles now. We got titles. Uh, the title? I'm, I'm uh, Bo- Booty Jake. This is Booty Jake reporting in for duty. And I mean the pirate kind, guys. Come on now. Well, guys, I mean, we made all those Oscar jokes. Who knows if all of them got in in the beginning of the episode? Uh, Listener, (laughs) you'll find out. (laughs) But uh, yeah, we went on like five hours of just Oscar jokes uh, because we're recording these before them. But when you're listening, it'll be afterwards. And guess what? We're doing our best picture picks. We're going to highlight some films that we believe should have won best picture or at the very least be nominated. I think there's a criteria to suit both here. Um, because as you'll see, when we get into it, we have some films that were in fact nominated for best picture and some that didn't get any love. Um, so we'll get into it. I'm really excited about this. I love talking about the Oscars and finally forcing my friends to talk about it and actually care. (laughs) So one thing I do want to say though, uh, I just think again, we want to do this bracket because even just from the films that we've picked, which we will get into, I think it's super evident that the Oscars truly need to revamp something. Not just because from like a, a race, gender, whatever, all that stuff uh, they did. I guess you can argue a little bit better, um, but mm. there's still work to be. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of work to be done. Um, but I think, you know, even genre, like we have some lovely, like we have some sci-fi films to talk about, some comedy, some horror-esque Those kind of things don't get nominated, let alone win Best Picture. So I'm really excited to talk about them as contenders, as the rest of the world should be. I'll say it. So I guess to run through, it's actually in our bracket uh, in this episode. Coming at you in the first half of the episode here, uh, we've got Borat subsequent movie film versus The Vast of Night. Uh, And then the second half of the episode, we've got Defy Bloods versus Palm Springs. Uh, And then next episode, uh, we've got Sound of Metal versus Another Round and My Octopus Teacher versus Sonic. So a super, super great bracket. Tons to look forward to. Watch these movies. They're all they're all great. I'm so excited. Sonic the Hedgehog already rearing his ugly head. I guess less ugly than it would have been. They fixed it. They fixed it. (laughs) Could have put that in our bracket. (laughs) It could have been. I mean, listeners, yeah, it could be any one of us because we've all made reference to any one of us. (laughs) Hey, I was just going to say, audience engagement, if you tweeted us and guessed correctly who pitched Sonic for next week, maybe you'll win something. A shout out. I'll I'll give you a shout out. That's something I'll definitely give give you a shout out. And maybe we'll reverse it for you. We'll do a poll. Spoiler warning for all of these movies. We're going to talk about them. So if you don't want Oscar contentious movies to be spoiled for you, go watch them. 
Um, you don't have to watch them to listen to the episode. I've heard that it's funny without watching, but if you do want to watch them, <laughs> go ahead. My mom tells me this podcast is funny without. My mom told me that the podcast is really good, so you should <laughs> listen too. But if you're hearing this, you're already <laughs> listening. Also, a content warning for some of these movies. Um, Defy Bloods in particular has a lot of very graphic violence. Uh, it also has actual footage of, um, murder uh in in the opening and i think closing as well of the movie throughout uh, the film uh, racism think, police violence throughout the film yeah uh be warned for that uh and then borat as well has lots of sexual situations and it, it's a very satirical movie yeah all right with that thank you alex uh shall we jump into the first half of this bracket I'm let's so hop excited. right in let's hop right in <gasps> james oh marston god, james we're coming marston. for you <laughs> <laughs> We've got Borat, subsequent movie film, released in 2020, uh, directed by Jason Wolner. Uh, after landing himself, that being Borat, in a gulag from his original tour of America for the embarrassment it caused the nation of Kazakhstan, uh, Borat must, at the pain of del- death, deliver a gift, um, that gift being his daughter, um, to someone in ex-president trump's inner circle uh first pence and then rudy giuliani uh the this mockumentary lampoons american culture their covid response and most of all american politics wild ride with you know sasha baron cohen and his titular i'm always so proud of you when you do synopses that are just like tight to the point like ready to go thank you not because you're an awful like right it's just because you spend so long on i I have to i craft (laughs) them i craft them so gingerly yeah i love it why did you pick this movie um so I, i think it really came down to in my opinion the original borat was such an important piece of comedy and satire in my own life um i think it really opened my eyes to like what the value of political satire can be or cultural satire can be um and how eye-opening it can that is to the fact that there are real people out there that believe these things and act like this yeah um, and it seems so ridiculous and it's so funny to watch but then there is this moment of realization of like this is all real um and that is mm-hmm. such a, a terrifying realization that i think makes the satire so effective um, yeah. And with how tumultuous the past four years have been politically in America, uh, retooling the character of Borat to specifically tackle, because I mean, I think anyone that watches this, it becomes very apparent that this one is much more specifically politically motivated um, at Trump and his oh, regime yeah. to tool the character of Borat to tackle that piece of satire. I just think is like culturally valuable. Something like that level of messaging, I think, is important and should be, you know considered in what we think is valuable for movies yeah um i actually i I really like your opinion and uh i will be honest though growing up borat was not my thing i I think i've talked to you guys about that uh before kind of like in the same realm of like south park uh or whatever where i just as a kid i didn't get it maybe maybe it flew right by me i went growing up now, as I'm older and I, I rewatched the first Borat in preparation of not this podcast, but watched when I knew the second one was going to come out. Um, and I found myself liking it way, way more than uh, I ever did beforehand. I do have some issues with this movie, but I think I don't know. I definitely think I could be swayed. And I think it's it, a lot of what Matthew's saying. I, I know going into this that Matthew is very like, you know, Borat is very important to him, especially like growing up. Um, and I can see that. So I think it's going to be interesting knowing him as close as I do. So fucking close. 
Uh, I don't know your blood type, though. I want, I just realized. <laughs> what's your blood type? Wonder yeah, Matt, that what's, on what's your blood type? That's a big secret that very few people know. So if you can get your hands on that information, trust me, there are people out there that will pay you significant sums for it. But trust me, I'm not going to make it easy. He has no blood. All right. I, I figured it out right away. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but those are my, my thoughts. We'll get more into it for sure. But Alex, what do you think? I actually had a very similar relationship to Borat that you had. I never actually saw the movie until I graduated high school. And in my mind, it was in the same vein as South Park, which it is. It is in the same vein as South Park. But for me growing up, I was always like, oh, that's so stupid. They're like, uh, that's just like dickheads. Um, you know, now that Ash was on the podcast, I've been saying dickheads for the it's whole week. Such a good word. Um, it's such a good <laughs> yeah. word. I love dickheads. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we all love dickheads. Love dickheads. I love, love the tippy top of the penis. <laughs> now, wait, I don't actually. I don't like tippy top of the penis, but I do like dickheads. <laughs> I, I actually, in college, grew to really like South Park, and then subsequently now very much like borat <laughs> oh was that not a joke on the <laughs> name of the movie i'm sorry <laughs> very nice but jake yeah do you want to introduce the vast of night i'm so excited actually uh i pitched one of my movies is the vast of night directed by andrew patterson technically released in 2019 but it's one of those things where it had a small uh theatrical release here in the u.s in 2020 which made it eligible for this year's oscars uh one of those weird i don't don't I would say look up the Oscar rules, but don't do it. They make no sense. Uh, and that's why we're doing this show, because <laughs> our show makes more sense. So this is the story. Let me tell you what it's about first. This is the story. It tells the story <laughs> of a young amateur radio DJ and a high school switchboard operator as they discover there's something strange on the airwaves in 1950s New Mexico. Um, this is one of those films I get so excited about when I see them and I get like ready to watch the Oscars and like whatever. And they always come across like my radar some way, somehow. These are this is like a film where like I always tell my friends, hey, go see it. Like I do a long fucking review of it and I tell my friends about it. And I know for a fact that none of my friends are like, oh, my God, Jake, you're right. And they go see it because like there's there's no reason to. <laughs> and I'm so excited that like I got to pitch a small genre sci-fi film for two of my very, very like closest friends to watch and talk about. And now for the audience and watch and like maybe you guys like what we talk about so you'll watch it too like i'm just so what are you guys' thoughts i'm so nervous it's okay if you hate it but please love it <laughs> i i can i can jump on that one this movie feels like in a lot of ways it was tailor-made for my tastes um oh. at least like the the esoteric arm of like i like kind of you know a little bit strange things it is such an like epitomous slow burn um, movie that like drops you into a setting and is like figure it out. Like what are the relationships of these people? It was a ton of fun to watch. Um, it felt like for anyone out there that's familiar with coast to coast AM um, and the, <laughs> the, 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 the supernatural chats that happened there, this movie legitimately <laughs> felt like a coast to coast AM story. I had never heard of it. Um, I am disappointed by that fact uh, because it, I, I really enjoyed it. And for a movie made, we'll talk, I'm sure we'll talk about this more on essentially a shoestring budget. Amazing. In terms of like major productions, it was a $700,000 budget, which for movies is very, very little. It's a, it's a technical feat. Um, 
we'll I'm yeah, sure talk we'll get about into it. it. I yeah, I've lots to say, but please, Alex, break my heart. I'm so sorry, Jake. This movie does so many things so so well. It's beautifully shot. Um, the the long shots like going through the town are so cool and so beautiful. It's very well written. The characters are so smart. Um, I feel like they're all interesting and do such good things. My, I just hate this specific type of sci-fi movie. Um, yeah. I hate the <laughs> alien encounter movies where the whole thing is building to an alien encounter at the end. And then it just ends. Um, like I hate close encounters with the third kind. <laughs> um, it, and this, the entire time, as soon as it was like, oh, it's aliens. That was the only thing I could think of. And so like, I know that this is a good movie. It's just not my movie. You know, it's crazy though. Like I also did not like close encounters of the third kind. I just felt like this did what it was trying to do so much better. And it was so much more interesting to me. And I I actually, I've been thinking about this because I was wondering why like that immediately turned me off as I was watching it. And I've realized for me, this specific like Subgenre of sci-fi of like alien encounter building to an alien encounter for me is so disappointing because the alien encounter like what comes after it for me is the most exciting part so for it to end and they show these huge spaceships and all this stuff happening and then the movie just ends like it kills me inside i want what happens next you know um and so you like, want this movie just ended up being a huge galaxy letdown. Yeah, I I want a hitchhiker's guide. I want a space opera. Um, And this obviously is not that, but that's what I wanted. The other big problem I have is why was the space sound so small? I could barely hear it. Like, they're like, (laughs) oh, I recognize that sound immediately. And it's like, you, I couldn't tell if it was just the radio being a radio or if it was actually some intense, crazy space sound. Why wasn't it just like... (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I wasn't what, about what it. sound do you expect aliens is like what kind of I like, just did it. I wanted that. Sorry, I missed it again. That That's crazy. Maybe our audio's off. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> um like that would give me chills. So I, I, I do I do want to get into um I do have some cons about both of these movies. Uh sure. and they both rely uh they both rely on the endings. Um so one, just a, like a full disclosure, I didn't really enjoy Borat 2 as much as pretty much every like movie in, in this bracket so far. Um, I haven't seen one of them. This is a hard thing, but, but sequeling Borat is almost like a, a an impossible feat. And I think the way um, Matthew recontextualized it for me in the beginning of this is helping me a little bit more. Um, I just thought the whole like this being super constructed instead of relying on its more like improv base of like the first one, just like really hurt it. And I think it really like, uh, I, I get how it's, it's so specific to this time, but that's also my issue that it's so specific to this time. Like I'm so I re I, I saw the first war and I was like, this is, this is great. Like I still like laughed or whatever. I'm worrying that like watching this, um, especially with the endings, like you spread COVID like all around. Yes, COVID, COVID will be a rat. Like it's going to be a very big historic. <laughs> it is a very big historical event and it still will probably be here for a long time um, in some way, shape or form. 
But I think it just, it really like shot itself in the foot by like making it be about like so about Trump and COVID. And then also so like, um, something I think would be really interesting, um, is because clearly the filming, uh, Borat to began before COVID was really yeah. like significantly a thing. Right. I truly wonder what ending was slated for the film that they yeah. then decided to change. I was mm-hmm. going to ask if you knew actually, cause I figured no, you would I don't think, I don't think it's uh I don't think anybody quite knows um, other than obviously the crew, Sasha Baron Cohen, et cetera. Well, it's so fascinating because like in terms you talked about it being like so much of it was scripted because it was planned to be so political. Um, But like the COVID situation that happens in the movie um, for me, at least to came off as a huge twist. And maybe it's I don't know when you saw this movie originally, Jake, I hadn't seen it until just now. You're watching it during our recording? What the fuck, Alex? Yeah, I just finished it three seconds ago. Um, But (laughs) for me, I was watching it realizing, oh, COVID must have started right when they were like halfway through filming it. And then the way that it became incorporated, like quarantining for five days with those two guys, it being (laughs) the character of Borat the entire time. Um, remarkable, is, like, like wild to think about, and like for me, it yeah. seemed less like a gimmick and a shtick because maybe because it was I'm later into quarantine when I first saw it, so I thought less of it as like a and and more like it's reacting to the the circumstances yeah. that were. I think were that part is brilliant. Like I think that part is brilliant. Like improv. Like I do still think Sasha Baron Cohen is is super smart. Like he really knows how to adapt and like craft a story in that way. I the more crafting had to do with his like relationship with the daughter thing. Like there were some scenes where it's just like this is just yeah. obviously like scripted stuff. They're like by like they're doing stuff about which is great. They're like talking about like you know like feminist ideals and like you know how like women are treated and all stuff that's it is great but it just like it's so jarringly different than like the bits they do with pence and like the bits it just they it's the fact that they stick out like i think it's still like if borat 2 was just like a borat film great i think it's great but since it has the context of that but it's also like i don't know it just felt so separated like it felt so like two different it is very separated I think conceptually thinking about how a Borat movie is filmed of like, he is dressed up as Borat. People don't know who he is. <laughs> and he is like putting them in uncomfortable situations um, where they face the reality in a mirror. Right. They couldn't do that the same way with Borat yeah, again, because in, people in recognize him. Borat so world. the only right. The only effective way to do that was to bring on a new character. So they have a daughter. The only way to she's great explain why Maria she's there. Ba- she's Baklava. so good. She is fantastic. That was one the of my notes for sure. Why she's, she's there is to have scripted scenes because without those scripted scenes, they're or, scripted. I'm sure they were improvised between them. I get the rationale of it. And again, I, this is one of my highlights of this film that I think really boosted for me. Maria's great. And the fact she's nominated mm-hmm. for Best Actress, I, she's probably not going to get it. We don't know. I mean, you'll know when you're listening to this. But uh, remember how Sonic got Best Actress? Anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I think she's great. I still think those written scenes, like I understand the rationale. They they still, I don't think they succeeded. I just think it still felt choppy That's to fair. me. Um, I still, sure. she's great. She's great. Like 
that's a hard job to ask someone to do, to do what Sasha Baron Cohen's doing. Yeah. You're putting yourself in danger. You're putting yourself in very like high improv. Like L- it's- literally putting yourself in danger. I don't know if you guys have seen yeah. um, from the country Steve concert. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. The footage that was released um, afterward of someone, they've like figured out that it was Sasha Baron Cohen um, and people and, like stormed the stage and like chased them away. Yeah. It chased him into his trailer you know, there's like a like dudes brandishing weapons and stuff like legitimately yeah. potentially life threatening situations um, in the name of political satire. Like, yeah. holy shit. And that's great. I love that. It's just I wanted it's it's fucked up for me to demand this, but I wanted more of that. Like, I wanted more of yeah. what made the first Borat so good, which is why I, it sucks because you're right. They couldn't make in a post Borat world, especially the way it blew up. Um, you know, he might as well have made Bruno too. Yeah. You remember the film crazy... Bruno? <laughs> That's fucking great. <laughs> no one, no one remembers Bruno. There are some crazy <gasps> stories about um, I have the DVD. Like uh, <laughs> like from during the filming of this. Uh, okay. There are some crazy stories, stories from during from the filming. <laughs> what, what happened during the filming, Alex? Many things. What? Get what? What do you want? What do you want to say? There are some crazy stories from during the filming of this movie. Um, apparently, so the how they got into like the like debutante ball. Sasha Baron Cohen uh, told these people that he was filming a coming of age story. Uh, Hilarious. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> can you imagine like thinking you're going to be in a like a background character in a coming of age movie, and that happens? Uh, Wow, so funny. And then also apparently during the conservative like women's group meeting where Maria is like talking on stage, Borat was supposed to be there with her. And the reason he wasn't is because one of the women who was on like in the room was in the first Borat movie and would have recognized that's him. So Isn't that funny? Wild? That's so funny. Isn't that crazy? Something that's so positive about these movies is that you genuinely like how how do they do this? Like how did also they do this? right something? Um, I want to call out. This is just a, a very very small thing. I don't know if you guys sat through the credits. Yeah. Um, but the movie is actually dedicated to, to the, the um Holocaust survivor that mm-hmm. can you know s- s- confronts Borat on his uh anti-Semitic belief anti-Semitic beliefs. Um, as she she died before the film was released, and that is one of the very few people that he actually broke character for after they filmed the scene, um, to like thank her and like you know tell her what was Explain going on, which man. I think is so cool. This is another like big note that I took just because I really want to talk about it. Like, yeah, that scene really got me. Like, I mean, I don't know if it's because I'm Jewish or just anything. Like, the patience and love like that yeah. that woman like imagine carrying yeah. all that pain for being in the holocaust and all that and being facing someone like borat who is supposed to trying to get this real big thing and real hateful shit it, yeah it, it's even sadder when you realize she passed away and still was just like this is this is good it was still it was so pure like that that scene alone is genuinely like heartwarming and like beautiful and i think that's part of like the beauty of of what a movie like this could do An- another thing that i thought was um, <laughs> really, really heartwarming. The scenes with um, what was the woman's name? Janine Jones, I believe, the babysitter. Yes. Yeah, and Borat's daughter. Um, are just like she seems like such a heartwarmingly genuine person that she is like no, like you can she like genuinely advocating this 
uh, young girl to like have faith in herself and like be her own person in that like there are good know, people in the world for herself. Yeah, that, that is so I cool. I had to look up if she was an actress like she was so good. She has the best like, eye I, in the whole I just couldn't whole believe she's a real person. She has she says, how will they protect you? They titties. Wow. <laughs> Like it's it's great. That it's should great. win the Oscar. I don't care about anyone else. Just they titties. That's um, amazing. Well, we, we've spent a ton of time. Another, I do. I have one more thing that I okay. think is so okay. important to mention. His fat suit that he wore had nipples and chest hair. <laughs> Which is pretty funny. In the Vast of Night, yeah, it's pretty crazy how in the yeah. Vast of Night they had Wait, okay. nipples. Thinking and about chest. fat suits, did you got was did it stand out to you how large the baby was? When like the teenage radio girl has her baby sister or like her uh, baby I'm, sibling I'm sure it's because, because the, the babysitter the, ran away, it was a giant fucking baby. It was a I'm huge sure it's the kid baby. Was like four. Stop! Stop! Ba- I don't know how baby size shaving this baby, baby was larger than Slappy. <laughs> Posed more of a threat than Slappy too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> go listen to our Goosebumps episode. It was really good. <laughs> I, 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 are you are you bumping are you plugging our goosebumps special in the middle of this yeah guys i'm on a podcast it's called the tough cut we talk about <laughs> goosebumps i think in, in a similar ish uh fashion it's something sorry this totally got away the part of the ending i don't like about fast of night which because that's how we were talking uh it was about the endings um to a certain degree, I agree with uh, <laughs> Alex. Um, I figured this would happen with Borat just because I know that like there would be this movie is begs to be talked about. Um, but yeah. with the Vast of Nights ending, like you know, I didn't like Close Encounters of the Third Kind. It was just because it felt uh, very like I thought they could, should have done even less. Like I, I didn't. That was my thing. Like I wanted even less of it. Like sure, have them disappear, like whatever, but like leave like. I don't know. I wanted even less. So like, that's like wild that you're like, I want the space adventure after I'm like, no mystify me because all the way leading up to it. It's not that like, I think close encounters is a good example. I think close Encounters. I also hate the ending of close encounters. There's no reason for them to have a rave for 20 minutes at the end of that movie. Um, but like, I want what happens after they meet the aliens and leave, you know, that's like, what I'm saying. I want like you wanted being more affected by meeting aliens. Yeah. Yeah. You wanted more. And like, I just wanted less in this movie because I was just like, because uh, leading all the way up, just this, the way this movie and like the dialogue, I think this is a very well directed and very well scripted movie. Like, it, probably some of my like favorite sure. like stuff. It's so, it's so well done. I just think it, you could have put anything at the end, really, any kind of sci fi, spooky or whatever non existing thing. And I almost like, I didn't want a definitive answer of aliens. Like I wanted, what if it's like fucking Cthulhu? What if it's Matthew with a fucking ax in the corner of the room? He's done it before. He's murdered. Like do that. <laughs> I don't know. Like I just, I just, that's what I wanted more because leading up to it, it was such a good crawl, like such a good crawl. It, this, this movie so effectively immerses you um, in its setting and characters, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, it's just so spectacular and not only does it do that, but it does it through what is some of the best use of long takes and tracking shots. Oh my Something God, I, so I think good. is like a very small thing, um, but like huge props 
so so many movies for dialogue it's very easy to just do shot reverse shot with people talking to each other no man this movie is like you guys are going to be on the fucking move a hundred percent of the time. You're going to be walking to your next destination. You're going to be getting into a car. You're going to be doing something in every scene that is just exposition, which just like is more impressive because it's harder to direct, but more impressive because there's more things to manage more impress Like, and the shots were interesting. This, it's like, this it, actually is such a good, this is such a good comparison or similarity between these movies. Both of them yeah. do a really good job of showing what they are and what they're about, where they are, everything, rather than just telling you. Like, Borat does not tell you what anyone thinks. They tell you and they show you in the way that they react. And it's the same thing in this movie. They don't tell you, like, that they're in the 50s. They just show you what, like, it's so good. It's it's one of those wild things like Borat. Obviously, people feel real because they're just real people. This movie, uh, The Vast of Night, they feel like real people because they are just so well. The script is so well written. They are just so well directed and for the most part, so well acted. Um, like I am so mind blown that this was done on a seven hundred thousand dollar budget. You know, what's crazy. Like, Another great comparison. <laughs> they also both always have to be on but on super other side like one has to be always full improv always know what to do with the others like you are heavily directed this is it's basically like a play and you always have to be on for like a play and like all that stuff and i i just i love the vast of nights like sort of deal with it just because it is a slow technically movie but it feels quick it's always interesting to look at and it's always like the dialogue is so like witty and like sharp and like I also love the accent of like old time, you know, I, I love the, yeah, yeah. Kid, I'm a, a radio, like whatever. It's, it's great. He does the radio voice. <laughs> he does the radio voice yeah. and I fucking love it. I love that they address the fact that he has a radio voice. Like, yeah, she it's just what it people do. Like, Why are you talking like that? It's amazing. Like, uh, that's something I genuinely didn't realize until I was talking about it. Like they, they both have to be always on in these movies. And mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's impressive on both feats to like, but on opposite sides of the spectrum, like from an improv standpoint versus from a heavily directed, the script probably yeah. was like super important. It's almost like um, Wes Anderson ish. This was the debut film from the director, correct? I imagine. Yeah, I, I will be really well, interested what projects um, Mr. Patterson works on next. Uh, yeah, I, I, I quite, you know, as I said, I quite enjoyed it, but more beyond just how much i enjoyed it i think from a technical aspect yeah it is just it probably i'm you know i'm gonna i'm gonna say it i think of this bracket it's probably the most technically impressive film mm. um present interesting it, i can I make arguments that, for others but like i i sure, can see that sure. i can see that um it just it really impressed me it really impressed me yeah and i think the reason why for so uh my criteria kind of for this bracket i've been like thinking about it i always think about like them uh this is for our best picture right so i'm i'm looking at it as like a fully encompassing like yeah there could be like one great thing about this movie that does really well but all the other things like the direction like the score like the script the actors or whatever like i'm genuinely considering all of it into like a a fully like you know how many things complete package yeah um Mm -hmm. I like I know Alex you said like you wanted like more or whatever but the story in general is like very fun and very creative and also very telling like the the tackling Tuskegee Airmen too like basically like mm-hmm. with the with the um uh I forgot what his name was but with the first Billy. caller Billy, Billy yeah 
Um, and then him finally revealing is like, I didn't want to tell you like who I was because like, I'm black and like whatever. And like the fact that like he knew, I don't, it's just, I don't think sci fi yeah. movies like talk about all that stuff enough. You you are totally wrong with that. Sci-fi is one of the most ripe genres for political and social critique. It happens so much, but a lot of that is because it happens in novels that don't get adaptations. Well, I'm saying even like I, I should correct myself because there are like sci-fi even movies. Like it is all about like race and like what because they're a- they're allegories though the, for a lot the of it. Blockbuster the blockbuster sci-fis don't usually address the block or that, even that too, that too. I mean, it's more like it blatantly. Star said. Wars doesn't talk about race. Star Wars. I mean, like more blatantly said, more than like uh, because they have allegories, of course. Like all, like even Star Trek, uh, like all of their otherworldly things are just Middle Eastern buildings. But people other them and like other sides them be like, oh, they're from another world. Sure. And that's how people otherwise or whatever. It's stuff like I mean, that. Klingons are are vaguely an allegory for the Soviet Union in a lot of ways. Yeah. But like, you, anyway, you know what I mean? Like just Star say- Trek. <laughs> <laughs> but just saying it outright, <laughs> like saying like all these things like specifically, I think is like very powerful um, and very interesting. To me, that was less like any kind of social critique um, because it's a, a fairly small portion of the film and a fairly small character um it's more setting like it's more like set dressing for where in the 1950s like it's yeah. socially important what this dynamic might be like um than it is like andrew patterson trying to make a commentary about race or something i don't know i mean i think there is something there is something to be said though about like stories from people of color being like ostracized or in, invalidated because of their identities. I, I, yeah, I, which I agree with you completely. I just don't necessarily think that like the it was like a major intent of the story to make that commentary. It was more a That's byproduct right. of the the story they wanted to tell than it was like, hey, we are tr-, like I again, I think this is mostly coming from the perspective of like I really like sci fi yeah. um, and I read a lot of science fiction and it's so heavily drenched in out like racial allegory or comment in or commentary, mm-hmm. but that's like normally the explicit purpose, mm-hmm. um, which, yeah. Yeah. So that's even, the, even in general, for that reason. Yeah. Even in general, I think it's, it's even like uh, just amazing that cause you know, a lot of directors clearly like didn't have, you don't have to include that. You, you don't yeah, have exactly. to. And that's why it's so good. Well, yeah, I, I do. I do want to ask you guys. Um, we, Matt, you talked a lot about how like sci-fi often has very strong allegory and meaning and like purpose behind films. And obviously Borat has that. What do you, do you think that this movie has that uh, a meaning or a purpose behind it? Or do you think it was more a, do you, do you guys think this movie has that? Because that is something I'm considering when, when voting. I think, um, I definitely think Borat, it's hard, it's hard to compare them when it comes to like, you know, which one's more like heavy or like having a message. Because obviously Borat, like, this right. is a statement film. Right. Like, the, it's fully yeah, a statement sure. film. They literally use this to like get people, when did this come out? Like. Right before the election. They got it for people to vote. Yeah. Like they did, yeah, like, you it, know, it was, this it was, was October. basically propaganda, but like, we're all like, that's whatever. Like. Anti-Trump propaganda. Yeah, I think it's a, a, uh different type of no no i'm I'm just asking though if it did have a message 
like what what it was trying to convey if it major theming oh. sorts of things like what is the conveyance yeah. because like if it if it has major themes like how did it do that compared to how borat did it is is my thought process god so you. this was actually something i specifically took notes on because to the credence of what jake was saying um borat is specifically like a statement film so it's very easy to draw out what point they were trying to make the vast yeah. of night in my opinion um is is more about conveying an experience than it is about conveying some kind of commentary it is literally like the bringing to life of a coast-to-coast am um narration like it's more about immersing you in the 1950s than it is about you know again making some kind of grand commentary and i may be wrong like other people may watch this movie and be able to draw out like opinions of like as you kind of said like these marge like commentary from these marginalized groups because you have like a shut-in old woman and a black um military member so like and those people have been brushed off despite the fact that they've had encounters with you know aliens and people refuse to believe them so like that you know that might be the angle you could take from take away from this i don't know I think it also has to do with, uh, and, and a lot of sci-fi does this, it's it's about paranoia. I mean, they said in the 50s, so you could pick your scare or whatever. Uh, but also, like, fe- there's more to fear than fear, basically, is what I kind of, like, took from it. Like, there's this, like, what are you afraid of? What are you making up in your head? What is real? Like, kind of, you know, what is freaking ourselves out? Like, what does that mean? And that's why it, it gets in like, that's why I say like, we kind of have horror s because this gets into topics of like horror and stuff. It's like, what does it mean to be afraid of something? Uh, because there is like a fear and paranoia and you're like a radio host and like do whatever, like it's a classic story, but told in such a like a, like, is this rational what we're doing? It's a very like, it's a Twilight Zony like episode in that way. You know what I mean? Also, the fact that the, the, the radio guy, uh, radio kid Everett is doing it purely in search of good content. Yeah. It, it makes good radio. It makes yeah. good radio. That's us. We're That's, that guy. <laughs> we are that guy. With that, Anything should, for we, the content. should we vote? I would love if they released a cut of Borat. While, while Matthew figures out his vote, um, I would love if they released a cut of like a, a film like Borat or whatever, where there are no cuts and we got to see the full aftermath of this shit. Well, then you'd get stuff like the deleted scenes of the first Borat or like, what is this? That's cheese. And this? No, <laughs> like, out, like when they at the aftermath of the stuff that works, obviously, like the stuff that it's like, what did they say after this? Like, what did they say? Uh, you, know? you know, it's just like an excellent. They did. I I feel like such a good job of we didn't talk about this, of calling jokes back in Borat. Like. The whole beginning, obviously, like Borat Kazakhstan, very nice, big success. And my wife, like he does that at the very beginning on purpose. But then there's just like the costume stuff of like when he's five days quarantining and he has his dick in the like very tight thing, like just <laughs> so many good jokes. And I just thought it was very funny. It's a funny movie. It doesn't happen often, but I think I'm the most solid on my vote here. So I'll, I'm more, more happy to go first. Um, I voted for The Vast of Night. Another, another criteria for me is definitely like, you know, m- misrepresent or like underrepresent, underrepresented. What, what am I trying to say? Under, yeah. Underrepresentation. 
Yeah, just in in the Oscars in general and films that don't get like a lot of love that definitely deserve to for being such a solid film almost all the way around. Um, I truly love this little movie and I just hope that people watch it genuinely. I don't if it doesn't move on, doesn't move on. But I hope people watch it because it is a very good small little movie. But yeah, what do you guys? I voted for Borat. Um, I actually was so close to voting for Vast of Night. And just during the deliberation, I kept thinking about it and I was like, you know what? I like Borat more. I'm going to vote for Borat. But you should watch Vast of Night. It is a very good movie that I just don't like the content of. <laughs> Hell of a pitch. Hey, little gremlin boy, what'd you vote? It's it's here. It's here. The content or the the it's written here on this card. The secrets to the universe. I am voting for Borat. They both changed their vote. That's interesting. I think one go watch the vast of night. However, the, the call out that I want to make, these are both, I think, I think great films, what it came down to for me, because I, I believe the vast of night to be a technically superior film. I think it does more with the medium of being a movie in terms of like actual filming versus Borat does very little with the fact that it's a mockumentary like you never really acknowledge the sort of that meta aspect of it much at all compared to the first Borat however I think the messaging ends up being the piece that put me over the messaging and the content itself I loved watching the best of night um but I am such a huge sucker for political critique and Mm -hmm. satire that like I think it wouldn't for the first time, um, I think I wouldn't be true to myself um, if I if I voted against Borat. There, um, it it truly breaks my heart because I did no. really really enjoy the Best of Night. I um, think it's I just so. Feel, I feel feel so bad voting against it. I will say I will say, and this isn't a like genuinely like I support you guys is in, in your decisions. I have no bad blood. I just like talking about movies, but I think it's so interesting and telling of like how the Oscars kind of pick movies where like you guys both originally voted for vast of night and you both changed to put in Borat. And I think that's something that happens with a lot of these films. They end up on the cutting room floor of the Oscars just cause like something tips them over. Um, go watch vast of night. It's fantastic, but Hey, congrats to Borat too, for moving along. Yeah, this is a big deal. It's the Oscars. We are moving to matchup number two. Oh, boy. Um, Palm Springs, uh, obviously released in 2020, directed by, um, here it is, Max Barbacow. This movie follows Niles and Sarah. They are stuck in a time loop on her sister's wedding day. Uh, Will life lose all meaning or will their budding romance prove um, that today is yesterday is tomorrow? Could be something. Uh, this movie has everything. It's got J.K. <laughs> Simmons hunting Andy Samberg with a crossbow. It's got lots of death. <laughs> it's got uh, brontosauruses. It's got getting drunk. It's got pools. It's got cheating. It's got uh, the girl from Riverdale and the guy who plays Superman in the CW superhero universe. It's wild. Wow. Congrats, Andy Samberg. I didn't know he got that role. That's great for him. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, what'd you guys think? 
Wow, I, I love this movie, man. I saw this like when it first kind of came out. And this was like a, when uh, I saw the trailer, I was like, I'm going to love that movie. And genuinely, like, I love this movie. It felt like to me, like this is a film when I watched it originally. This is another one where I sent out a, a big review and I was like, please, everyone go see this movie. And I think it's a better sell because like the people uh, Lonely Island, uh, they helped like they produced it um, in their production company. It just felt like in a weird this is going to sound pompous, maybe, but it felt like I could write it. But I mean that in a very sincere way where it's like it felt like this was such a strong, like in my head, comedic voice and something where it's like, it's like a very sweet, but still very like comedic and still very pure film. It has a lot of heart. This isn't a film that like inspires me or whatever, but it feels like, okay, this can exist. And it's something that's in my head. And it felt so like, I don't know. It was a very pure movie for me and something that I really like and enjoy. And definitely something that I'll watch over and over again. For sure. Just because it's, it just brings me so much joy. Yeah. Yeah, so I guess picking up on my thoughts, I'd seen this before as well. Um, so I rewatched it for the show. Uh, I watched this basically the first day it hit uh, streaming. Um, it's on Hulu. Go watch it. It's not not, not hashtag ad. We're not sponsored. Um, <laughs> in a similar sort of experience of like, I saw the trailer and I'm like, I know I'm going to like this. So it was like, it was one of my favorite films of 2020. I really really loved this movie um part of that is definitely i think where i was at headspace wise given yeah every day literally feeling like it was yesterday and tomorrow will be you know whatever the same sort of time loop situation of being at the height of this Mm -hmm. that i think that really added to the experience and why it felt so emotionally resident a resonant it's funny it's charming yeah, like I have basically pretty much only good things to say about this movie. Hell yeah. And on the other side, we have The Five Bloods, directed by Spike Lee, 2020. Uh, it's four black American vets who go back to Vietnam seeking the remains of their fallen squad leader uh, and the gold fortune he helped them hide. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much that's it. And, you know, there's a lot of it's an intense movie. I mean, I fully realize that Spike Lee is not for everybody. and. He has problems, has had (laughs) Mm -hmm. problems. He's directed some poor movies. He's directed some very tasteless movies, but he's also directed some like really amazing stuff that like has been really resonant resonant for me in my like film career. I mean, you know, everyone, if you go to film school studies, shit like, you know, she's got to have it or some like it or not some like. (laughs) I was going to say a Marilyn Monroe (laughs) movie. Wow, why was I going <laughs> to say that? She's got to have wow, it like or so do good. the right thing. Um, and But also for me, like he just came off of Black Klansman, which that was my favorite movie of that year. Um, you know, being like my father's like black, my mother's Jewish. It literally tackles being <laughs> black and Jewish uh, all in one movie and how intense that was. Um, felt like it was something that should be, be watched. Um, and felt very poignant of this year um, in general. So what do you guys think? This movie I thought was so good. I thought the characters were all so like dynamic and interesting. They do such a good job. I, I think in a very opposite way of the vast of night, I'm such a sucker for old people, like old friends come back together as old people for one last job. I'm such a sucker for that genre of movie. 
Um, and I think this does it so well and adds so much to that formula. Mm, loved it. So I will chime in on my thoughts um, <laughs> as Jake so poignantly mentioned. Um, Spike Lee can be a fairly divisive director. Um, and I certainly fall um, in a mixed camp on his subject. Um, I agree. He's made some super spectacular films. Um, Black Klansman being great. Uh, Do the right thing, as Jake said. Um, and I'm sure amongst many others, he also uh, directed the American Old Boy remake. <laughs> um, and I will never forgive yeah. him for that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I agree. Hey, I agree. He did awful with that. I agree. I Defy Bloods, though, I really enjoyed. I think it's a very, very good movie. However, weirdly, I think the more time I sat with it, not the less I liked it as a movie, but I think the hollower I felt about its messaging, which is going to be a very heavy piece to unpack. Yeah, I mean, it's a very heavy movie. Fun fact, uh, three of these movies in this side of the bracket were all around 90 minutes. This was the only one that was like two hours and 40 minutes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So long movie. Yeah, I mean... It's a, I, and I think we'd be like remiss if, if not. I, I also picked this one because, uh, unfortunately, like Chadwick Boseman passed away this past year, yeah. right? And it was super tragic. Like mm-hmm. that one hit me really, really hard. And I do think his best performance last year was in Ma Rainey, uh, and I, I think he's gonna win uh, for Ma Rainey, and I hope he does. Uh, People you guys watch will that know. Movie. You guys will know. Mm-hmm. Ma Rainey's so, so fucking good. Please, please go see that. Um, but I think this one was more powerful for performance given all the context spike lee had these like old men whenever they did like the flashback scenes they remained old men but like chadwick still remained the same young chadwick because he can age because he died and it's just yeah the context of this and everything especially at the end with the forgiveness and like it's just so so heartbreaking and so beautiful um on the back of as well um delroy Delroy, uh, the actor who played uh, basically our like Apocalypse Now, Descent into Madness, PTSD. Mm-hmm. Um, I forget. What, is it Otis or no? Otis is the Paul. other one. It's Paul. Paul. You you will not kill Paul. That's right. His fucking performance. Uh, this is, I think, my biggest snub or one of the biggest snubs. Like, yeah, this should absolutely be nominated and probably like win something. Holy shit was this performance amazing. So good. One of the one of the little characteristic pieces, at least I feel it's somewhat character like Spike Lee loves his little essentially monologues directly to the camera. Yep. Um and this I feel is one of the best executions of that, but that is not just the like the only piece of um Delroy Lindo's performance that is so spectacular, like this PTSD crippled man watching his his progressive descent into madness um as he returns to the country which has you know ravaged his memory for years is so spectacularly done yeah it, he's like framed so well like he's just I, I it really blows my mind and that's that's what gets me to like the forefront of like why i wanted it to because th- it this didn't even get nominated for best picture i don't believe they went with uh, Ma, Ma Rainey for like a, it felt like a, they had to pick a Chadwick performance for to be like nominated. It got nominated for some things, but it got short of the best picture. Uh, please correct me if I'm wrong. 
Yeah, it got original score. Yeah. I, yeah, I'm pretty sure. And it blows my mind because like you have someone like Spike Lee who, who historically is snubbed at the Oscars, mind you, uh, both to driving movies. He lost to Driving Miss Daisy and then Green Book, LOL. Uh, <laughs> isn't that isn't that just fucking awful? Um, yeah. You know, but it's just wild that this film, like very technically whatever film, and I guess people didn't like it as much. I really don't know. Like, I don't know. I get to a certain extent. Um, as I think the person here that again, I liked this movie as a movie. Um, but I think uh, like, especially when you compare it to some of the other contenders that unfortunately, I'm sure the Academy believes to share a similar space and that being black messaging. Yeah, I believe what Judas and the Black Messiah, um, got a nomination, I think for best picture. Yeah, Ma Rainey's Which, Black Bottom, and did uh, Ma, Ma Rainey get a Best Picture nom? I'm pretty sure. I thought Let just Chadwick got it for acting. I might be totally wrong. Um, and I some of that I like think is the Academy believing these films to share a similar space, uh, which is super unfortunate. But like I mm-hmm. also understand um, why this film may be excluded. So I guess to get into my big issue with Defy Bloods. Um, doesn't come from like a performance standpoint, doesn't necessarily come from a story standpoint. Um, but on a, a messaging perspective, I obviously this movie is chiefly a commentary on black experience, chiefly a commentary on like the not like on black history, on the treatment of black peoples in America uh, more broadly. Um, And it does a lot of that very, very fantastically. I don't think it does much in relation to the setting that it picks with that commentary Mm. beyond like the perspective of black history and disproportionate black deaths and disproportionate um, black enlist or well drafting for the Vietnam War. Um, Because there's there's this piece they set up and make reference to that. There's a very clear parallel between um, the colonial history of Vietnam and the treatment of its natives compared to its colonial um, history under France and their subjugation um, mm-hmm. compared to black Americans, they like set that up and do nothing with it and never try to really draw valuable parallels in that experience. I actually have a, I totally disagree with you. I think the end of the movie is totally is a hundred percent them um because they kill each other the the black americans and the the vc kill each other and it's it's them it's it's spike lee pointing out how um like america sent black americans to vietnam because they needed they wanted uh, black people to focus on a different target and it's always this aiming this this anger towards someone else and they end up killing each other because it's the same thing with the Viet Cong. And so like obviously I am not black and I haven't experienced that. It's not an accurate comparison to make in that sense because the Viet Cong weren't being pointed at black Americans by the French. Like that is an imperfect comparison to make. But the the people in this movie are blaming black Americans now for the subjugation that they've faced and the pain that they've faced. And so instead of in relation to being American. So my take on it is that I think it's 
another one of those movies that is just trying to, yeah, maybe the parallels are sloppy, but I think it's on purpose because Spike Lee's just trying to point out hypocrisy on all sides. And I think the thing that highlights it for me is the Radio Hanoi bit, uh, which I loved. I, I loved the radio um, where, where it was that woman uh, telling, it's almost like a spoken word-like thing almost. Hanoi like the, Hannah. Yeah, Hanoi Hannah uh, with like the black GI and like pointing out the hypocrisy. It's like, it's like you do know Martin Luther King died over there and you're fighting us. Like, and you're like, why, why are you involved? Like, what are you doing? And then the hypocrisies of everyone, like the fact that Delroy is, is holding on so hard, hard to his ideas of war. He's a Trump supporter and that he can't like see all that. And like, I think it's all trying to contradict itself because likely saying like, we are all fucking hypocrites. And the only one who stands above it was Storm and Norman. But he is equally hypocritical. They never explain why he continues to decide to support the U.S. rather than joining the you know communists, which there is a huge history of communist support amongst black Americans, especially from the time period they're yeah. talking about. Well, I like, think yeah. they don't explain that they don't they in that feel so hollow for Norm's character, in my opinion, mm. like they don't they simply have him be contradictory rather than giving him a motivation for continuing to say, hey, we want payback for what America's done to us. We're going to take this gold. But then yeah. given the opportunity on a platter to justify, you know, turn coding, they don't take that. Why? Well, yeah. I, d- I just don't get that. It's probably less about because him as a character like device or whatever. It was less about like his motivations and more how people reacted to his motivations, putting him on a pedestal. And so like it's it's literally like, you know, turning a mirror to like perfect memory of the character. Yeah. Like, it, you know, we're only getting glimpses from what they remember of him. Exactly. And they're not going to point out his like, you know, whatever. And also like, you know, history's fucking you may like know that like it may become not, but like a lot of people dough and and definitely they probably like didn't and have like a bunch of hypocritical stuff also uh yeah judas and the black messiah is the like child of chicago seven technically is also like on best picture and has that really like intense um scene and has to deal with black people obviously yeah (laughs) (laughs) well i i say i say it like that only because like while i love the trial of chicago seven i i do think like that scene was very like Oh, here's like, again, like black suffering in film and like, it's very like intense. And then like, he isn't mm-hmm. really credited as like a big, I, but yeah, whatever. Um, yeah. you know, one set of problems. One, one night in Miami wasn't nominated, like all, none of the small axe films, like this, this film, Ma Rainey wasn't even nominated. Like that's, that's wild to me that the Oscars have yeah. like this. Okay. You, you talked about something black you're, you're in and, and only one of you. And it's yeah. like, which what? I think yeah. is it is a it's travesty awful. that I'm sure Oscar contention like that is probably a criteria that matters. It's like, oh, we don't want too many very similar things, but we can have a ton of masturbatory stuff for how awesome Hollywood is, um, which is so bad. Matt, back on your point about Norm. An- another thing is like Jake brought up how like the device that he serves as a character. I think he very much represents um, like, well, so in terms of how Paul is looking at a lot of like, you have to forgive yourself and forgive. I think a lot of this movie is about focusing anger and where anger should be directed. And I think like the purpose of norm forgiving paul is to say like don't focus your anger on yourself you are not the problem whether or not you've done controversial things like the the situation how you got here is not is to blame you know sure so i I think the reason norm is not like a like they don't justify him is because he's he's less of a character more a plot device yeah 
which yeah, I mean, which that, is, is is a reductive way to say that. But like yeah. the film uses him for a functional purpose no, rather than right, saying he is a character with motivations. Yeah. 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 I do which, think again, I, I, I want to reiterate, mm-hmm. I don't think to five bloods is a bad movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think it could have been so much more. And I'm disappointed that it wasn't. He does uh, to your credit. Like I do think Spike Lee, and this is where like he gets divisive like for me too like he he also just likes throwing shit out there to the wall like yeah, like the, also the random like cuts of like things like really like intense like showing like those kids getting shot point blank or like and stuff like that like it's it's graphic like it work like it's it's it evokes an emotion but i think he he handles a bit more than he can chew a lot of times and just wants to show things for showing those like emotional responses but i also think I just think that films like this, especially them not being fully recognized, you know, whatever emphasis on fully, but it's just because Spike doesn't really make films about race palatable for like white people or just like, you know, a lot of people in general, like he's not trying to make palatable movies. And that's probably why like shit got snubbed and shit like, you know, Green Book can like make it in and such. Should we compare these movies? Yeah. Um, I think something really interesting to compare in these movies is how they deal with death. We've talked a little bit about Defy Bloods and like how I think death is a huge factor. And, you know, um, like I guess Spike Lee is exploring who's really killing black people. Um, I think death in black death means I think in Palm Springs, they take a totally different approach about death and how death is meaningless. Uh, what do you guys think? When you brought this up, I immediately thought of Paul's uh, monologue. Like, it was like, you will not kill Paul. Like, I will get to choose how I die sort of a deal. And I think it echoes some similar, like, stuff that uh, I just see him as Andy Samberg, whatever his name was, as Andy. Niles. 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 Um, good name for him. I can see him as a Niles. I think I like to think that it's playing on his nihilism. Oh. Probably. I thought it was because he's in denial. Well, then they would have called him. No, denials. denial is in Egypt. This is in Palm Springs. Nice, good, good. That was that was the whole. All right, guys, I'm ready to vote. <laughs> I got my joke in. Let's go. <laughs> get in, get out. <laughs> but like Andy's kind of like you know back and or Niles, I guess back and forth of like oh accepting like death. Like we are introduced to him fully. Like shit doesn't matter anymore, which I think is like a, yeah. such a fun trope to to kind of subvert in that way it like it's it's groundhog day but it's like totally not rather than having to watch him come to terms with and learn how to be in a time loop we get our introduction to niles from sarah's point of view um where he is already perfectly rehearsed every little thing he has to do which i think is a super fun deconstruction of the the you know the time loop bit the very directly groundhog day and you know um crafting the perfect date to win the woman um and all that mm-hmm. uh it's a, a, a very fun opening it, this was one of those things it's one of those uh, like i don't even know a great way to explain it but have you guys seen the trailer for like there's another movie coming out where it's literally like the same plot but an action movie it's like I redo the same day and it's with some hardened action. Oh yeah. Live, die, repeat with Tom Cruise. No, but I mean, well, kind of, but like it's literally no, which is a fucking good movie or uh, edge of tomorrow is the, edge of the, tomorrow. the name they eventually gave it. Yeah. Not, not the poster that just says live, yeah. die, repeat. Um, no, but there's another movie. It's one of those things where it's like Hollywood was just making similar 
movies at the same time and also boss level boss level is the one that just came out or is going yeah. to come out and like i'm sure it's, it's a um, movie it is <laughs> Who who's the actor who's the phys- who's the uh, what's his name uh frank grillo yeah frank frank grillo the, the dude who was in nicholas cage's jujitsu that's wow. that explains a lot for him okay this is very reductive um but who do you think would win in a fight? Defy Bloods versus uh, Niles and Roy working together, and they get five days to prepare, like doing the loop. They get five time loops of the fight. They get two time loops of the fight. So on the third, tr- on the third try, who wins? Well, you one, you say it's the Defy Bloods, so that means Norman's included mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. look, we have Defy Bloods on record saying there's never mm, fair point. Who's mind you? Buff boy. He's, My man. His uh, arms looking Wait, huge. Jonathan Majors? Yeah. Have y'all mm-hmm. watched Lovecraft Country? This is just a plug for that yes. fucking show. So good. So great. Try, tried to get into it a couple of times. It's I really love good. Lovecraft. Um, I just, unfortunately, every single time I sit down to try to watch it, I want it to be a thing I like sit down and watch. Yeah. But my, my fucking goopy goblin brain is like, go on your phone. And I'm like, I'm trying to watch this show. It, it's, it's so good. And it gets good. Like it, like increasingly like the episode, it's so good. Um, Jonathan Majors, great, great. I honestly, I didn't really He's like really it but the, when I first watched this movie. I thought he was like the annoying, like, really? why are you in here? And then like, oh no, I like him now. I like my boy, Jonathan Majors. Yeah. Here's the thing is the five bloods have been on record saying Norman is the best soldier they've ever met. Like he's the greatest, greatest soldier ever only died because of friendly fire. I think it's what it's how many time loops on the third time loop. Who wins? I think first time loop, they uh, Roy and Niles get immediately slaughtered. They learn nothing. The second time loop, they unfortunately they'll do a little bit better, but they since the first one is such an abject failure, they can't innovate on strategy enough for the third one um, to pull off the win. Plus, are we talking about like Defy Blood, like as they stand now? I mean, obviously a lot died because like if you're talking about Delroy's, well, I'm saying if you talk about Delroy's <laughs> character, he's like unhinged, dude. I don't think you could predict what he's going to do on a time loop. But he's not in the time loop. I don't think the, the Defy Blood. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like he'll loop. do something different every time. Like without fail you know i don't think his time like but roy and niles are unhinged they have spent like when roy just hunts him down yeah oh so this is post their experience this is post them experiencing a time loop for however many times they did characters at the end of the movie they get trapped in a second time loop on the day where they meet to five bloods. And now Niles has something to live for. Yeah. Because he he's he's gotten past his nihilism, so he has something to fight for. That put that lets mm-hmm. a fire in his soul. What like crazy skills do you think Roy and Niles have after millions of years? Like Yeah, it's implied it's a super, super long time. Um yeah. <laughs> which, you know, they really skid by the whole like they probably need real, real like this guy's not gonna live a normal life after that shit. Significant therapy. So much therapy, or, man. He definitely will need lots of therapy. He also is probably the most talented person in the world at many, many things. But I'm sure because of Niles's character, they're very minor weird <laughs> things like throwing a can over you, the, yeah. you know, like throwing a can over your shoulder. <laughs> He'll be the most interesting man at a party. I don't know if he could go to war. You know, uh, unlike Sarah, who spent <laughs> her time mastering quantum mechanics while being stuck in a time loop. <laughs> yeah. 
I realized it on the second watch through. It's very vague about how much time Sarah spent in the time loop. Like, clearly it's a long time because she mastered quantum physics. They kind of yada yada the third act. Like, and I noticed it, but I also didn't hate it. Like, I noticed objectively that they yada yada the third act, but I did not hate it. And I don't know why. Yada yada, I think, is an interesting way to put it. Because they definitely kind of just, like, shunt through it. But it's, I think, done very thoughtfully, if that makes sense. Like, it goes very quick because of, like, the the incessance of, like, oh, it's a time loop, so only so many things can happen. They just show the the degradation of Niles. Uh, yeah. It's very mm-hmm. Well, they introduce yeah. their, their game in such a solid way that you're allowed to be like, yeah, and then she spent time doing, you know, fucking quantum mechanics. Uh, so, like, yeah. that's what. Also, in a way, between these two movies, they're both stuck in time loops, guys. I mean, if you really think about it with like PTSD and like the soldiers and like them going back in their time in a really like kind of beautiful and poetic way. Like, yeah, they're the the five bloods are also in a time loop stuck in that kind of mentality and like who breaks through it and who doesn't. And like, you know, you have Otis with his like kid all of a sudden that he has. um, Yeah, which is which is. I thought that was a really yeah. like beautiful scene and all that. I, I yeah, wow. I just blew my own mind that they're both in a time loop. So I have to really think about that for a second. Hold on. Wow. <laughs> Who am they're, I? They're forced yeah. to forced to continue living with and grappling with what happened in Vietnam. Yeah. But I don't think they can. I mean, they off uh, not a they lot of clearly people, can't. <laughs> yeah, didn't only but, Otis yeah, th- survive or was no, it only Otis? Did. They all. They all died. No, Otis survived. Otis survived. Oh, he got to be with his, Otis fa- meeting his, his daughter family, in the end. Meeting up with his daughter. Yeah, it's, yeah. He got shot, but he lived. That's an interesting interpretation, though, especially because you have that, like, classic, uh, like, the two characters on a dolly, like, going forward without moving. Yeah, I, think, I, which I, is I very thought that surreal. that was meant to be, exactly, um, which in my head was part of the theming that these men could, none of them could escape what Vietnam they couldn't like, escape their time to them loop. as people. They yeah. all died there. Um, I thought that that was sort of the point. And I'm not sure how mm-hmm. Otis surviving changes my opinion. Well, it's still, I mean, he doesn't really escape it. He, I think, embraces it is the difference. Mm-hmm. Sure. Which I think, Which, is that more like also, Niles or um, Sarah? So I, I do think from the perspective of him being the one to embrace it is also interesting as he literally has um, a half Vietnamese daughter. So we have like, something to live for. Di- there's this very different perspective of like what it means to it. Like that piece is meaning to embrace it. He also, though, is the one that they like talk the most about, like having a well-adjusted life back home and like having a good life back home, too. Yeah, so it's they very interesting. Having, like actually going to therapy, actually like doing the work and such. Um, Which is another piece of him dying that I thought was supposed to be posed as so tragic. Mm. Um, is that like mm. not even that worked? Not even being the well-adjusted one worked. Well, okay, but so this is another thing that the the movie didn't get into, which I'm I'm upset about. What happens if one of them goes to sleep and the other person stays up? What is the person like the next day? Um, like if they can stay up through the night and wait for them to Didn't wake up. Kind what of happens then that? if they're in the same room at night? One of them falls asleep. That person's reality, they wake up in the morning, right? The other one, though, stays awake and is awake through the person's sleep. What do they experience in the morning when Niles wakes up? Say if Stara stays awake through the night. 
So there, in theory, there's a circumstance where if you you switch off one on night shift, one on day shift, you can continue the progressive pr- passage of time forward. But if you both are asleep at the same time, you go back. So if you pull enough people in, you can cycle through people to <laughs> whose turn like is to it to sleep? What happens? What happens if they just get the whole party to go into the time loop and it's the same like wedding party every day? But like th- because at that point, it's like the whole world is trapped in this time loop and is the same day. But if everyone knows it's the same day, you can like go on about your life, right? Well, you, except you teleport back to where you began. Yeah, like so it all starts at the same from a place. small town, you know? Oh my god, it'd be like a town. That actually is such a fun Hollywood cool should idea. do that. Um, should we vote? I think I'm ready to vote. I I guess I am. Do you ever feel oh so paper thin? Like a house of cards and blow from caving in. You're such I sang a beautiful that singer in a, in a choir concert once. How old are you? Because baby, you're a firework. Come on, show them what you're worth. Wow, Matthew decided this one like right away. This is pretty intense. Yeah, that's crazy. He knew. I'm voting for Palm Springs to put a brief caveat on that. Again, I think To Five Bloods is a great movie, but I think from a perspective of Palm Springs is doing for genre, what it is Mm -hmm. doing for not just comedy in terms of legitimizing, but also in terms of deconstructing time loops um, and sort of the fun perspective it takes on that, um, I think is really, it's a really, really refreshing take on things. Yeah. For sure. But please, please watch Defy Bloods. Please watch both these movies. They're both great. I voted for Defy Bloods. I'm genuinely okay with either of these. I, I think this is this is one where like I'm usually like if I am indecisive, I'm 60 40, but I am I'm genuinely 50 50 uh, about these movies moving on. I think they're both really strong contenders, but in very different ways. Um, that's why I think it was a little bit easier for us to do analysis rather than um, full, full comparison. Although I do think the comparison about the time loop thing is, is a very interesting thing to think of. And that's something I'm going to be thinking of a lot. Yeah, I just think with the context of everything and the performance, I think this is one of the best like performed movies we have in in, in the bracket. For sure. Uh, I just mm-hmm. think Chadwick did amazing. Delroy did amazing. Like I, I even side characters like Radio Hanoi Hannah or whatever, like she was Hanoi Hannah. Was that it? Just Hanoi. Yeah. Hanoi Hannah. I don't know. I just think it's a very well-crafted movie. I mean, I know Spike Lee's not for everyone, but um, I enjoyed it a lot. So there we go. So it all comes down to me. I voted for, I'm not going to explain myself because we're going to talk about the movie again (laughs) next episode. And I feel like we're going to have a very bad habit, this bracket, of explaining ourselves because we care deeply about movies that are good and all I don't these things are I think it's a good. bad habit. I, I like talking about these movies. Bad habit in from terms a content of, perspective. In terms of content, <laughs> like, I think we all are going content? to say I'm a here lot. to have fun talking about my fucking movies. Fuck Hell you yeah. two. I'm sorry. I love you, Jake. Oh, oh, I'm just a content machine? You want me to do a little dance? You have a little joke joke? But anyways, yeah, the white, the white movie... Went on. Uh, sorry, the right movie went. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm genuinely um, like, I, yeah, this is an exciting. I love Palm Springs. I love. Um, well, I feel tepid about Borat too, but I'm I'm willing to. I have a lot more to t- say about it that is positive. So I'm excited about it. Yeah.
I'm excited. It's going to be good. Um, so next week, we've got Sound of Metal uh, versus Another Round. I don't, should not be the person talking about these movies because I have not seen any of them and know nothing about them. Um, but I do believe there are content warnings in those for drug use slash substance abuse. abuse. Substance yeah. abuse. For both of those. Yeah. Um, for both of them. And then in the end of the bracket, we've got the documentary My Octopus Teacher going up against, you know him, you love him, Sonic the Hedgehog. Who pitched it? Yeah. You'll have to find Who out. Who knows? It's going to be a poll. Going to be a poll. This is fantastic. Uh, but thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, it's going to be a great episode. Excited for next week. <laughs> excited for this bracket. Excited for the Oscars. Let us know what you think about the Oscar picks. Yeah. Uh, and, that's going to be happening. That. Already. I'm excited just to watch it. Hey, hey, uh, 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 past Jake. Or future Jake, I should talk to. I shouldn't be talking to past Jake. Am I in a time loop? Oh no! Oh, oh, forced to record no. this episode every single day. Oh god! <laughs> it's a long day. Oh god! Day. Don't make me follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Letterbox at Tough Cut Pod. Bye.